On this episode of Resi Week, Snap AV and Control 4 close their merger, Azione offers healthcare, and Metra teaches HDMI. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 183, Finding Your Peers. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Access Networks and by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.TV. Today, we're pleased to be joined by uh, a good friend of mine, Ron Callis. He's the CEO of One Firefly. How are you doing, Ron? I am super duper happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And last but not least, we have a last minute fill-in with Tim Albright. He is the CEO and founder of AV Nation. How are you doing, bud? I am well, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Gentlemen, let's kick this off with the story that you know kind of made the rounds and, and, and shocked, dare I say, uh, our industry back in, I believe, May. Uh, Snap AV and Control 4 have finalized and and closed their merger that was announced back in May of this year. If you haven't been following this, uh, Snap AV and Control 4 are merging, they're being acquired, uh, however you want to look at that. Uh, but John Heyman is the CEO of Snap. He's going to stay on in that role. Martin, who was the CEO of Control 4, is moving into semi-retirement and joining the board of the parent company. And last but not least, uh, Charlie Kindle, who we, we know fairly well, have, has been on the show a little bit. He is moving into the role of Chief Product and Technology Officer uh, for that company. So, Ron, I want to start with you on this. When this was announced, obviously, there was a lot of speculation what was going to happen, where people were going to go. We haven't heard uh, too many personnel changes. Uh, obviously, some people are being moved up. Um, there, there really hasn't been a lot of change that's been announced in this, and and this presser shows that there, there's no comment on product going forward, anything like that. Uh, what does this, what does this merger looks like in six months, in a year? Does it look like the press release that came out, or is that going to evolve? Sure, I, I think we have to appreciate the fact that C4 being a publicly traded company. Uh, had to uh, operate and walk a very fine line in terms of what could be announced, what could be talked about um, publicly up until, because only up, what is it, up until Friday of this past week, the, the due diligence and all the, the fine, you know, the, the fine details were not yet complete. And thus, uh, I, I understand that C4 had to operate as if the merger would not go through and they might have to report quarterly earnings and go business as usual. And so it's, it's only right now, I imagine today is a very busy day at both offices for all the executives um, that are ultimately gonna be blending this company. Um, in terms of uh, uh, you know, the match, I think it's, I did not see it coming. Uh, if I had predicted it not too long ago, I may have predicted it the other way around. I might have thought C4 would acquire Snap. Um, you know, and I really perceive this as, as a merger versus an acquisition. I mean, these are two powerful brands in our space that are loved by their, 
loved by their dealers and, and you know, uh, uh, C4 has more of a focus on the consumer and the dealer, whereas Snap has really been entirely focused on the dealer and trying to help that dealer grow and prosper. Um, so I think it is, uh, it is fair that we know very little. And then it is uh, supposition and reading the tea leaves as to what it'll look like six months from now. Uh, I suspect uh, that we're gonna probably ultimately, I mean, I'm just guessing, I would see them address some of their product overlap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're overlapping with speakers. Uh, they're overlapping with their network products. They're overlapping with their um, remote management software solution. Um, but that said, you know, in the in the video, which I recommend anyone listening that hasn't watched it, you know, watch. They, they produced a really high quality video stating their position and why they did the deal. Uh, you know, Charlie Kendall is stating, you know, we're, we're not going to leave any dealer behind. And what I read into that is, if a dealer is behind, you know, backpack, or if a dealer is behind episode speakers, or if a dealer is behind, you know, pick your product category, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, they're not going to be left behind with any sort of immediate changes. And I wouldn't expect any changes in six months. Um, Personnel wise, I mean, there's going to be some, I mean, I've already heard like one CFO is moving on, the other is staying. Susan Cashin, director of marketing, or I think she was a C-level executive, I believe, at C4. I know she's moving into retirement. But, um, I mean, both companies have just fantastic executive teams. I'm excited for our industry where where this is going to go. Very good. Tim, you and I followed C4 fairly aggressively for the last, you know, probably two years since they went public when they went public, there was this string of acquisitions. They literally just went out and, and bought company after company after company after company to expand their portfolio. There obviously was a lot of discussion on both sides of what the purpose for that was, if it was trying to you know grow via acquisition or if it was expanding product margins, uh, or sorry, not margins, but portfolios. With them coming under uh, SNAP and and that now being official, do you expect this type of philosophy to continue? Or is this something where they're no longer going to be essentially siloed in their, you know, as their own company as they were and able to have that freedom to go out and add all these additional partners? Or is it going to, is it going to change the way that they've done that innovative side of their business? You mean the, the acquisition side? Uh, yeah. I, well, <laughs> and don't don't take this the wrong way. Whether you know you guys are, or if you're a fan of Snap, that's kind of what Snap does too, right? It's it's what Snap maybe does too. We I was a week or so ago. You had an, a story about them picking up another distributor. Uh, I want to say out in California somewhere. Um, so that part, I, I don't see that changing, right? I mean, it's 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 already kind of baked into what Snap AV does. And Control Four is, is joining that team as well. Uh, they they are they have been uh, picking up a number of of of. of products and, and, and companies since they went public. The one interesting thing though is, is, is we were, we were uh, at a presentation uh, with Martin, uh, CEO of, of Control4 last Cedia. And he made a statement that I found fascinating, especially for someone who uh, watches them. I, I don't own Control4 stock. I didn't before they got sold. So I have no dog in this hunt. They, he said that he made the comment that they had purchased, I want to say five or six companies since they went public. And as of last 
uh, fall, they had more cash on hand than they did the day they went public. Yeah, think about that same. for a second. Think about that. They have purchased five companies and yet they still they still had more cash on hand um, it, it, you know, after, after all those acquisitions. So they've obviously done something right, right? In, in the, the, the companies that they've, they've assessed and, and purchased and the way they've integrated them in, into Control 4. Snap AV, they have also you know, had a, a good amount of success, obviously, uh, with the companies that they have, they've, they've acquired. So I don't see the acquisitions slowing down. I really don't. Um, you know, you, you talk with a couple of, of folks, talk with, we do, we, you and I talked with some folks, some investment uh, folks back in May when they made this announcement. This is, it, you know, Snap is, is, is quickly becoming and, and is, is continuing to grow in this space. The one, like, weird curveball I'll, I'll throw you guys, I, I'm going to be interested to, see, interested to see how Snap handles the transition between residential and commercial. Because my two cents, I know nothing, I've signed nothing. My two cents is to grow their brand and to grow their revenue, they're going to have to at some point start attracting uh, commercial uh, AV dealers. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, maybe, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two cents is one of the strong value propositions of the acquisition of C4 is C4 does business globally. So C4 has global distribution. Snap has a whole family of products only sold domestically here in the U.S. And I think that that made, that was one of many reasons that C4 was very attractive in terms of, you know, this acquisition because immediately Snap has the ability to sell, you know, all of their, their, all of their bent metal and uh, all of their other fantastic products, which uh, I'm, I'm joking with the bent metal. That's how many of us know they, they got started and they've moved greatly beyond the bent metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've got just a fantastic portfolio that they're going to now be able to take globally rather immediately. Yeah, yeah you, you can't underestimate the power of that global distribution network that uh, Control 4 had. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Azion Unlimited adds healthcare uh, as a healthcare program for its members. The buying group has partnered with Lifestyle Health Plans to introduce a healthcare solution for its members. Uh, this is, I don't want to say this is out of left field, but it was not something that I expected. Uh, Tim, I, I'm going to start with you. This is something that, respectfully, in, in Canada, we don't really care about this or deal with this. Why? It, because we have, we have healthcare. Um, oh, there are certain things. Hold on, there are certain things that we don't have healthcare for, but generally we have healthcare here, um, which is fantastic. Try it. <laughs> that being said, in the U.S., that is not as common. It is not uh, at all common for most people, and most small businesses, and most of the people that I interact with that are you know either working in a a, a small integration firm or own an integration firm, they have challenges with healthcare. What is the, how big is the value add of being an ASEAN member and having access to healthcare plans? Is this something they can't necessarily get somewhere else or is it again, just the buying group aspect of healthcare? 
so as as a small business owner myself, and and Ron can, can attest to this, in the U.S. right, and yes, you know, uh, Canada has has uh, you know the one pair system, uh, UK does, a number of countries do. We do not here in the states, right? Um, and with the Affordable Care Act at the time, and they've they've done things to that act to uh, change it. I'm not going to give it an adjective, but they've changed it. Um, at one time, there was an, a mandate. You had to have health insurance regardless uh, of who you were. And, and there was penalties in, you know, that you could incur uh, from a tax system. So with those changes, you, you technically don't have to, and I, I, believe, I believe I'm correct in this, you don't technically have to have health insurance here in the States. Uh, but it's, it's a benefit, right? It's, it's something that you can add, you know, offer your employees. The healthcare system in the, in the U.S. Uh, the, the, you you can just go online and type in you know healthcare U.S. and get all sorts of opinions on how good or bad it is. It is expensive, and, and it's a it's something you can add to your employees' uh, benefit package. And so you, I think it's it's a benefit from from as a member of ASEAN. One thing that people kind of forget is having a group like ASEAN or whoever else, the Avixa is also trying this from on the commercial side as well is you get a big enough group together, your rates will typically go down. And I think that really is, is the benefit here is of, of you take a look at the average size of the, the average size of, of most integrators here in, you know, in, the, in the States. Uh, you're not looking at an employee count of 100 or 200 or 500 people, which is where you have to get to, to get some of those discounts for health, health insurance. Having a group like ASEAN pulling everybody together, then you start getting into some real savings. Very good. Ron, when you, when you look at this and you're, you're on the board for ASEAN, so it's, it's great that you're here. Um, but when you look at this and when you look at the, you know, the 16 different standard plan options that are, that are grouped into individual plans, stuff like that, it, this is just another part of doing business in the U.S., right? This is just well, so being a, a small business operator here in the U.S., you know, it is, uh, it is one of the harder things to figure out how to do. Certainly when you're, you're I want to say, a younger business or let's say the business has less profit moving around and you're trying to figure out how to offer benefits packages that you can recruit and retain your, your employees with. And the, the result is many of the integration for firms do not offer it because they simply a haven't figured out how to offer it and or b have struggled on how to afford it and so what you're seeing is a trend of the buying groups and associations uh trying to bring this to their to to our channel to our industry if, if we dare call it an industry and you know so you're seeing you know vix is doing something cedia is doing something Various buying groups have plans. ProSource launched a plan earlier uh, this year. And ASEON is now, uh, th what they're doing is they're listening to their members. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Richard in particular, I, I talked to him directly about this and he made the comment that, uh, you know, members are asking for help in certain categories, whether it's how to get into lighting design or how to sell lighting fixtures or how to help, how to have health plan you know, plans for my, my team. And so they've found uh, uh, this group, uh, again, Lifestyle Health Plans. I believe that's the parent. What's the parent company? I think it's Lifestyle. Yeah, it's Lifestyle Health Plans, a world of wellness. He found this group. Uh, the details are still a little um, 
vague as uh, this is brand new. This just rolled out. I know Patrick uh, McCarthy rolled out the press release uh, about a week ago. And uh, I know that they are just now rolling out webinars for the ASEAN membership. I do, I'm in Florida. I know that they've named several states that this is not applicable for. It's not applicable in the state of Florida. It's not, of course, conveniently. It's not <laughs> applicable in the state of Oregon. I don't really know what makes Oregon and Florida particularly special in a bad way. <laughs> but, well, I could name a few things, but I'm not going to die. There are several in healthcare. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think it's positive. I think integrators need help and, and Richard and Karen and, and the team at Azion are trying to help their members. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, again, just another example of our industry growing up, right? We're, we're, we're no longer, because I remember when the buying groups launched and it was literally just, hey, we're going to get you product at a cheaper price. That's why you join. Now, when I have buying group conversations with most folks, it ends up being this conversation about all the business aspects that they teach you or, or offer, all of those additional things. This is, again, just another portion of that, correct? It's the camaraderie. I mean, I, I, when I talk to people about you know, integrators, and I've, I've talked to integrators every day for the last 20 years uh, for 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 be mostly better, sometimes worse, but I've talked to them every single day. And um, when I talk, I'm a big fan of buying groups uh, and, or, and or participating in CDX. I think in this respect, it can deliver the same um, in that it's really the camaraderie and the peer-to-peer -peer learning mm -hmm. um, is where most of the bang for the buck is from the investment of, of giving of your time, which is your most valuable asset, and of course, the, the expense. Um, because so much, you know, we as small business owners, we aren't on an island. We feel like we're on an island, but there are places where we can concentrate and get together and learn from each other and help each other. And that's where the buying groups and the trade associations come in. And yet, you know, if you look at the numbers of how many are in, I'll just say in the resi industry, I've heard numbers 10 to 15,000 contractors. Well, still, if you take all the buying groups together, there's only about a thousand integrators in any buying group, right? If you look at CDM membership, there's only about, you know, I don't know the latest, but I want to say approximately 3,000. Actually, Matt, you would know. Yeah, How many members are in CDM? 3,500 to 3,800, somewhere there. There you go. So that, that is uh, what, one fifth, that's 20%. So yeah. the vast majority of these business owners are out there trying to figure things out on their own and, and they mm -hmm. don't need to. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of people finding your peers and networking. I like it. Speaking of learning from others, like that little segue, this comes to us from Hidden Wires. Metro Home Theater Group is hosting an HDMI cable face-off at CD Expo 2019. Yes, we are already talking about Expo. Um, if you don't know who Metro are, they are a manufacturer of a, a plethora of products, but they do a lot of work in that HDMI space. In their booth on Thursday and Friday at one o'clock, they are going to be hosting a session that will teach custom integrators the pros and cons of all the different transmission options for HDMI, including fiber, active and passive copper, as well as ways to test for this. So Ron, I'm gonna come back to you on this one. And 
kind of ask what might be deemed as a, a simple question, but that being said, is this something that is still needed? Is there really that much confusion still in the industry over HDMI and, and how to properly get an HDMI signal from point A to point B? I, uh, can I give you an emphatic yes? Yes, you can. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I was just at a, an event last week and there was a joke from the crowd from an integrator and he said, just can't, can't we, uh, can't we just bring component back? I never had these issues when there was component video. Um, and it, it just goes on that, you know, just think of the truck rolls when, when you simply can't get the uh, projector to communicate to the, the source and that angry homeowner and rolling a truck or a van out. And I mean, I'm, I'm not so close to the technical side of things. So I'm going to lean on you guys for that to the true pain and suffering. But do I, do I have from my vantage point, any uh, inclination that it is resolved and that it's everyone knows exactly what to use and the standards have stopped changing? No, I think it's utter chaos, but I'm <laughs> curious what you guys think. I'd agree. As somebody who's in the field, yes, it's totally utter chaos. And you're correct. There is nothing more enjoyable than rolling a truck uh, on a weekend, late at night, on a holiday to hot swap an HDMI plug. Tim, stop laughing. It happens all the time. And it's... Uh, it's expensive. It uh, is. For everyone involved. It, yeah. it just, it's an annoying... And, you know, that's not, that's, not, that's not something that you can monitor for, right? I mean, we, 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 we otherwise, oh, five, 10 years, we've been talking about great monitoring systems where we can, you know, power cycle a switch or power cycle this, that, and the other. You, you can't do that for an HDMI cable. No, you really can't. There, there's nothing. There are a couple matrices out there that are allowing that. Uh, but again, it, it's very convoluted to get there. And the problem is this doesn't just fail on those highly expensive fully deployed systems, it fails on every system, including your, you know, Chromecast directly into a TV. That'll, that'll have a problem every now and again. Too. And Matt, is it the case that something that worked uh, last month might not work next month because something has changed in the equation? I mean, is it, is it that random or once you lock it down with gear and cabling and connectors and or matrix switching you you have a high confidence it'll keep working you can you can create a high confidence the problem is is that you then are essentially locking everything out including firmware including software including all of these other things and where it becomes the big challenge is even down to something as simple as the cable box when the cable company or sat company decides to auto reset their box to do a download you have no control over that you you can you can force your apple tv not to update you can force your blu-ray not to update your tv not to update you can't control what the cable box is going to do at any given time and are those two things connect or uh you know is that a is that a problem that stems directly from that not necessarily but that reboot still could cause problems you can have someone change electrical in the house unrelated to your AV system. And that can cut like it, the, it's the supposition from this story right. though, is that there's a shootout. So I'm assuming that Jeff is going to be a B testing different, passing a signal through different pieces of metric cabling and maybe 
third party cabling to assume the metric gear is better. I mean, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming that. I think they're also going to show the differences between specifically fiber and the active and passive copper because that's a big yeah. thing that people are doing these days, right? Is you're you're having to make that decision on, hey, I'm running this cable 250 feet and it's going through these parts of the house, which means I'm going to have to manipulate something in this way, shape, or form. The other fun part is, and Tim, this was my question for you. They're, you know, they mention it, uh, I believe, twice in this article that they're talking specifically about 8K. Mm-hmm. We've seen the display manufacturers talk 8K. We haven't seen as many third-party or or um, tertiary products and, and industries start to talk 8K. It's it's mainly been displays. Now that obviously we see Metro talking about it. Is that going to be a big push going forward or is it still going to retain and stay within the, the display purview? Well, it has to, at some point you're going to have to uh, have a push for infrastructure. At some point, Cedia 2019. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not to, to, you know, um, uh, have too much uh, forecasting here or, or future saying, but the, the, the biggest push to 8K and when, when this started, and this is five, six years ago, um, it was the, the, the Japanese broadcaster started broadcasting in 8K mm-hmm. in, in preparation for the 2020 Olympics, which obviously happens next year, 2020. So display manufacturers are like, okay, you know, they're going to shoot it in 2020. They're going to shoot it in, in 8K. You still have a, a fundamental issue. A, a, a uncompressed 4K signal is 16 gigs, right? Mm-hmm then we're not even to there yet where we can start, you know, having that, that conversation. So 8k is, is, is we, we will get there. You will have, you know, some sort of, of 8k capable boxes. Uh, you know, um, I don't believe that it, we're going to get to the point where um, the displays themselves are going to have all the things. So you're going to have, whether that's uh, game systems or that is a set top box of some sort, you have to get that content then from the, set top box or the, the box itself up to the display in, in some way, shape or form. Yes. Then we're going to have to start talking about it, but I don't believe that, that this, this is the year for that. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. We are running up on time. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ron. If people want to connect with you, learn more about the really the awesomeness that one firefly is. Sorry. I, I had a little fan moment for a moment, but I, I followed you guys. <laughs> Uh, and and the company for, gosh, probably ten if not twelve years. You guys do a, an amazing service. If people want to connect with you, learn more about what what One Firefly does, and also stop by your booth at Cedia. How can they do that? Sure. No, I I, I appreciate it, Matt. And uh, I want to have you on my show here in the near future, so your audience should stay tuned for that announcement. We'll well, uh, thank you. We'll, we'll get that out there. I, um, I did it first, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Tim Tim was. First. <laughs> Tim just had to put it out there. Uh, Tim went there. Uh, so uh, folks could follow us at, uh, they could visit our website at onefirefly.com. Uh, they also could check us out on Facebook. Uh, we've got, we've become pretty active as a company on Instagram. We've been having a lot of fun on Instagram. We only launched that about a year ago now, September mm-hmm. of last year. And that's uh, on, on most social platforms including LinkedIn. I want to say it's one firefly LLC. 
so forward slash, and, and that's the location. And, uh, and if anyone has followed me directly, um, you know, feel free to follow me on Twitter, Ron, at Ron Callis. And uh, love to hear from anyone. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott. Oh, sorry, Tim. Did you want me to? Oh, yeah. no, no. You're fine. Yeah, you're good. No, 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 no. no. My apologies. I just overlooked you for a moment. Uh, Tim, thanks for, for filling in for Mr. Birdwell. Absolutely. If people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, you can go by the website, which we'll talk about in a second, or you can connect with me on the Twitters uh, at TD Tim David Albright. Excellent. Uh, thanks again, gentlemen, for joining me. If you'd like to connect with me, uh, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 